Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the History of Forgotten Lands podcast. Today, we will be talking about the Kingdom of Lithuania. Our story today starts in 1915, but at that time, what we know now as Lithuania had been a part of the Russian Empire since its break with Poland in 1795. Unfortunately for everyone involved in this particular historical tale, I did say the story starts in 1915, and that means we're talking about World War I. You all know the basic details of the war, so I'm not going to give you the full rundown. What you need to know is that by 1915, the German Empire had successfully invaded and occupied large chunks of Russian territory, which included Lithuania. Now the Germans held Lithuania, and that was great and all, but they had larger things to worry about with the war still raging on around them. So the Lithuanian-German relations stood at an uneasy standstill for a few years. However, things changed by 1917, when the Russian imperial family fell victim to a revolution that saw them all executed and the empire toppled. This Russian revolution ended up quickly morphing into a full-scale civil war between communists and anti-communists across the Russian domains, and that made the Germans very uneasy. War with Russia was one thing. Countries had been going to war for like a few thousand years at that point. But war with an ascendant revolutionary power locked in its own civil war? That was a geopolitical bog that Germany was not at all too keen on getting stuck in. Thus, the German Empire came up with a plan. They would use their wartime gains in Eastern Europe to form a collection of smaller constituent states that would separate them from the Russian chaos. These buffer states would ideally contain any unpredictable Russian attacks against the German heartland, as well as prevent revolutionary ideas from spreading further west. In pursuit of this goal, the Germans finally began to deal with their new Lithuanian subjects. Many Lithuanians were deeply unhappy with the German rule in their homeland. Things like forced labor and the unmitigated exploitation of Lithuania's natural resources had really gotten people riled up. So by mid-September of 1917, a conference was called in Vilnius, the capital, to discuss the future of Lithuania on the world stage. Obviously, this anti-German rhetoric was concerning to the Germans, but they allowed the conference to continue with the caveat that all future meetings would have to swear fealty to the German Empire and agree to annexation. Obviously, this conference decided that Lithuania should go its own way, but exactly what way that was remained unclear. They wanted to be guided by democratic principles, which put them naturally at odds with the German Empire that currently ruled them, but other than that, not much was decided. But here's the thing. Talk of true independence was nice and all, but it just wasn't realistic. Lithuania was stuck between Germany and Russia, who were two of the military superpowers of the day. With Russia at war with itself, and the Germans literally in their country, the German demands for fealty were pretty loud. Therefore, the delegates put forth a resolution to the Germans stating that the conference, quote, recognizes the possibility for the future state of Lithuania to enter into a certain relationship, still to be determined, with Germany, unquote. I'm sure the Germans thought this bit of political hopscotch was very cute, 
but they were not entertained by it and barred the conference from going public with such a statement. Really, the only thing the conference successfully accomplished was the formation of the Council of Lithuania, whose 20 members would act as the executive body in the region. Under the Germans, of course. By December of 1917, the Council of Lithuania had issued a statement confirming their allegiance to Germany, although this was done after fierce debate. The anti-German camp within the council was probably feeling pretty smug when their announcement was not met with German recognition of Lithuania as a legitimate state, as they had hoped. It was also around this time that the council put to vote what type of government an independent Lithuania would have. In the end, it boiled down to two options, a constitutional monarchy or a republic. While everyone loves a good republic, the council had to look at the facts. They were caught in the middle of a war, occupied by a foreign monarchy, and really couldn't do much to change either of those facts. So, in the end, it was decided 15 to 5 that they should pursue the monarchical option. This would be more readily accepted by the Germans, and would ideally prevent the infighting and gridlock that are so common among republics. Two months later, they issued the Lithuanian Act of Independence, which included a passage stating that the act, quote, declares the termination of all state ties which formerly bound this state to other nations, unquote. I wonder what other nations they were talking about. Despite this act of independence, Lithuania was still not a superpower. Germany and Russia were. Therefore, when the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk was signed in March of 1918, taking the Russians out of the war, it included language that saw the Russians renounce all claims to the Baltics, where Lithuania is situated, and acknowledge the area as a part of the German sphere of influence. With all of that now finalized and on paper, Germany then recognized Lithuania as an independent state, but there were some serious problems with that. For one, German troops were still all over the place, and for another thing, Lithuania had no governmental structure, which meant the Council of Lithuania had no executive capabilities. All this recognition really was, was Germany granting some concessions to the Lithuanians to cool some tempers, and in reality, everything remained as it had been before. So now it was time for the Germans to do some kingmaking. Let's review the candidates. The most obvious place to look was the German imperial family, since they were the ones that ruled Lithuania at that moment. Among the imperial family, probably the most obvious candidate was, of course, the emperor himself. Or they could treat Lithuania like a consolation prize and elect the emperor's youngest son, Joachim. But no, in the end, neither of those would do. The German Empire was a very complex place, and that meant a lot more factors had to be considered in internal politics. The imperial family may have been Lutheran Protestants, but that didn't mean everyone in Germany was. Many of the Catholic nobles in the empire were not happy about the idea of Protestant-ruled lands spreading even further. No, the Catholics had their own idea. They said, you should put Prince Frederick Christian of Saxony on the throne of Lithuania. Not only is he a good Catholic boy, but his family, the House of Wetten, had ruled the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth just a few hundred years ago. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, 
well, is anyone actually going to ask the Lithuanians? And you wouldn't be alone in that thought. The Lithuanians themselves were wondering if anyone was going to ask the Lithuanians. And they were actually pretty mad about it, too. They had made unending concessions to the Germans, and now they were just playing matchmaker between the German nobility and their kingdom without even asking them? No way, buddy. They wanted someone pro-Lithuania, not pro-Germany. So it was that on June 14th of 1918, the Council of Lithuania convened behind closed doors and elected Wilhelm Karl, the Duke of Uruk, to become King of Lithuania. He was the perfect candidate. He was Catholic, so he'd be able to keep the imperial family at bay, but he was also German, so they couldn't be too mad about it. On top of that, he wasn't in line for any other royal titles, so Lithuania didn't stand to be combined into some other kingdom, and he had absolutely no Polish relations, because frankly the Lithuanians were tired of the Poles. There were some terms, though. Wilhelm would have to agree to protect the borders of Lithuania, ensure religious tolerance, and only appoint Lithuanians as government ministers, who would then report to Parliament instead of directly to him. This Parliament was subservient to the Lithuanian constitution, and so too was the king. The royal family had to live in Lithuania, the official language of court was to be Lithuanian, and no foreigners were to be allowed in that court. Wilhelm was apparently very excited about this offer, because he accepted unconditionally on behalf of himself and his son, who would be his heir. Therefore, on July 11, 1918, the Council of Lithuania voted 65% in favor of officially establishing the Kingdom of Lithuania, and Wilhelm's regnal name was designated as King Mindaugas II, after the very first King of Lithuania way back in the 1200s. Unfortunately, the Germans were not happy about this. According to the Kaiser's government, Lithuania going on and electing their own monarch without consulting the Germans violated the terms of their alliance. German troops in Lithuania stifled any press praising the new king, and even went so far as to attempt to force Lithuanian papers to print anti-Mindaugas pamphlets, but they refused and were consequently shut down. But here's the thing. It was now August of 1918. And if you know your stuff, you know that World War I is about to end. And who won that war? Well, not the Germans. As things started looking worse and worse on the front lines, German overlordship in Lithuania began to waver. With the Lithuanians now exercising more autonomy, the German administration had to admit that their time ruling Lithuania with a military government was coming to an end, and would soon be replaced by a civilian one. This really changed things for the Lithuanians. It was very clear that Germany's opponents, the Entente powers, were about to win this war, and that meant Lithuania needed to get on their good side. The only problem was that they had just elected a king. A German king. The Entente was spearheaded by the Americans, French, and British. Sure, Britain was a monarchy, but the United States and France were decidedly not. It wasn't likely that these new superpowers would look fondly upon a kingdom ruled by an ethnic German, considering they had just spent half a decade fighting exactly that in the most brutal war in history. 
So Mindaugas II had to go. To his credit, Wilhelm, or Mindaugas, or whatever you want to call him, understood the situation for what it was and volunteered to step down. And so, on November 2nd, 1918, just nine days before the end of the war, the Council of Lithuania officially uninvited their king to ascend to the throne, and the kingdom of Lithuania was no more. It had all happened so fast that Wilhelm hadn't even managed to get to Lithuania yet. So, why was the kingdom of Lithuania forgotten? I think this has a lot to do with all the back and forth that went on throughout this story. First, there was the German military government. Then the Council of Lithuania came into being, but the Germans were still the ones really running things. Then they declared independence, but again, the Germans were still the ones really running things. And then they elected a king who never showed up, but again, the Germans were still the ones really running things. And then suddenly the Germans weren't the ones running things, and it was time for a republic. With a timeline like that, it's really no wonder that weird Redditors obsess over the German Empire instead of the Kingdom of Lithuania. So thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the History of Forgotten Lands podcast. If you enjoyed, please consider leaving a review on your podcasting platform of choice. That's kind of the number one way that podcasts can grow. Uh, And otherwise, thank you for listening, and I hope to see you again next week.